Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight we're going to continue a study I began a little bit ago called Receiving from God. This will be lesson two. And so just a quick review for those of you that maybe weren't with us or because it's been about 10 days or so, we want to just give you an update and a review. First of all, James chapter 1 and verses 5 through 8. This is from the Holman Christ, Christian Standard Bible. We read, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that wavers is as the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. Now remember, this is Jesus, the half-brother of our Lord, who at first didn't believe in Jesus, but after the resurrection, he received the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus taught him how faith works. Notice he begins with, if you need wisdom, ask, but ask in faith. Then he goes on to say, don't think you'll receive anything from the Lord, that means wisdom or anything else, if you doubt, if you don't ask in faith. So we talked about, number one, God doesn't have to become a better giver. As a matter of fact, he's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have to become better receivers of the things that he has given. I believe we would all agree that he's the perfect one and we're the imperfect ones. He can't make a mistake, but we can so he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He withholds nothing from those that walk uprightly. So remember, if he's not withholding anything, then it's up to us to receive what he's given to us. If we don't ask in faith, we said, according to James, we shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. And that means anything, whatever it is that we need, we shouldn't expect to receive it. So we decided to share with you some helps. I'm reluctant to say steps to follow and a formula to follow or anything like that because I think it misleads people. So these are just helps that will help us better align ourselves with the way God wants us to believe. Help number one we said was decide what it is that you want from God. What do you want God to do in your life? That's the first step. Or we could say the first help. What is it? What you're looking for? Say you're looking for forgiveness. Well, if you need forgiveness, you want to ask him for forgiveness, the second thing is find the scriptures that promise you the answer. Go to your Bible. 1 John, for example, chapter two, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. We are told, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 says he forgives all our sins. And we can find many other verses of scripture that talk about how from the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So you find yourself a scripture that promises you the need that you're looking for. So number one, I have a need for forgiveness. Number two, I find a scripture that promises me the answer. The third step, or once again, help, 
is to do what? Is to ask. We are told in 1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us according, of course, to what we've asked, we know that we've received the petition that we desired of him. Why? Because we asked according to his will. So it's his will that we be forgiven. And we ask according to his will. Uh, Jesus verified that. He confirmed that by saying over and over in the scriptures when he was talking about receiving anything from God, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. He also said, all things are possible to him that believeth. So notice the connection between believing and receiving. And then, of course, um, he tells us in Mark eleven twenty four, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. So we are to ask, number three, and then number four, believe we have received. Not believe that we're going to get it, but believe that the moment we asked, we received what we asked for. And so I like to say it this way because I think it makes it a little bit clear. If you believe you have received it in its invisible form, and th then it will materialize in its visible form. So we believe first that we have received it even though we don't see it. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. And so I have evidence. I have proof. How? The proof is I asked according to his will. I know he heard me. And I know I have the petition I desired of him. Now, you may not see it, but I see it by faith. And I'm thanking him for it. Well, what happens then? Well, we know this is the next help that we need to know. Stand against any doubt or any suggestion that would come against our mind to undermine our belief that he heard me and I have it. So the enemy is going to come along immediately when you and I step out of the boat onto the water and start walking by faith. He's going to see that. Our faith antenna is up. He's going to target us and try to be, bring doubt and unbelief into our minds. Like he did with Peter walking on the water. He was distracted by all the sense evidences and circumstances around him. And as a result, his faith began to falter. So it's important we recognize that we will be a target of the enemy, and he'll try to do what? Inject doubt and unbelief into our minds to undermine our faith and to get us to sink. So we need to stand against any kind of doubt that would come against us. And then next, meditate the scriptures that you used to receive from God. Just keep on building them in you. Remember what Joshua said in Joshua 1.8? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written then, therein, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So meditation is a key to making it a reality, to get it from the head to the heart. So we continue on meditating those scriptures and continue to say, thank God I've received what I asked for. And that's the last help. We are told in Psalm 118, verse 21, I will praise thee because you heard me, and I have your salvation. You may not see it right then, but you're praising him in faith that you heard me, Lord. Jesus did that at the graveside of Lazarus when he said, I thank you that you heard me before he ever raised him up from the dead. Isn't that wonderful? He was so confident that the father heard what he said when he said, this sickness is not under death, but for the glory of God, that the son of man may be glorified thereby, that he went at that point four days later and said, I know you heard me. And he knew that all along, all along the way. 
you heard me and I have the petition, which is why he was so bold to stand there and say, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. Amen. Well, now as we continue our study, look at 2 Kings and chapter 5. Beginning at verse 1, the story of Naaman the leper. And I elected this time to go through the whole story. So bear with me as we go over the scriptures and listen to the story from the Bible. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Pretty confident. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold of the land of Israel. Uh, and, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the uh, letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeth the quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. And he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great or some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Then when he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What an amazing story. Well, what we extract from this story, number one, faith is required to receive from God. We have to believe in what God has spoken or what God has said about our situation. Why? Because faith originates with God. It doesn't originate with self. It's not me manufacturing something that I want in my life. It's going to God and finding out what he said and saying, well, I want what you say to come to pass in my life. Faith comes by hearing. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the Word of God. Not what I want, not what someone else wants, but what God says. That's how faith comes to a person's life. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's all we'll read with that one. He's the author and the finisher. In other words, if he doesn't authorize it, he's not obligated to finish it or bring it to completion. If I step out of the boat without him saying, come, I'm on my own. I'm doing something I want to do. I'm acting in foolishness or presumption. But if he says, come, and I step out of the boat, guess what? I have faith to do what he said for me to do. So faith doesn't originate with self. It's not me manufacturing something that I want to happen in my life and then manipulating God by using words that originate with me. No, faith is based on the word of God. So it's important we understand that. Now, look at 2 Kings 5.10 once again. Naaman was told exactly what to do by the prophet's you could say his servant. But it came from the prophet through the servant. But it came from God that a prophet first. And here it is. Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Now, naturally speaking, this wasn't unreasonable to do. Maybe the waters of the river Jordan were somewhat murky and muddy and all that. Yet, if you have leprosy, and this is one way that you can get healed from leprosy, I would think that it would have been something you could do. It's a reasonable thing to do. Well, Naaman's response was one of anger and one of pride. Look at verse 11. Once again, one of anger and one of pride. And so what does he say? Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus? Notice, better than all the waters of Israel, and he was right. Those waters were absolutely beautiful, flowing waters. Gorgeous background, gorgeous setting, clear water, clean, pure water. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Notice as we break this down. It says, he thought. Naaman thought something. In other words, he played this out in his mind. He began to imagine this as he was making his journey to Israel where Elisha was. He was thinking how this thing would unfold. So he thought. It's going to be exactly how he thought in his mind. This is how it's going to be done. He's going to come out. He's going to meet me. There's going to be a lot of fanfare. He's going to wave his arms, etc., etc., and this is how it's going to work out. And he says, surely he'll come out to me. Surely he's going to meet me. I'm a man of dignity. And so is he. So in other words, we're on an even kill, evil plane. And so he understands my need to, you know, have respect. And for him to honor my position. Well, since he was bringing over $78,000 worth of gold, silver, and clothing... He thought, that's the least he can do for me. But he sends out a servant to do what I need done. The next thing, he says, I thought he would call on his deity. So he envisioned this in his mind. He imagined this. He's going to come out. There's going to be a lot of fanfare. People are all going to be around. My servants will be here. 
His servants will be here. People of the city will be here. This should have been announced. All these news networks should have been there and all that. But yet, that wasn't the case. No. No. He's not there calling upon the name of the Lord his God and somehow waving his arms in the air to bring down the power of deity into his body to cleanse him of his leprosy. That's how I thought it would be. No, what he's told to do is something that sometimes we don't think about. If you first read this, let's say the first time you read this, we'll say it this way. You might think the River Jordan is right there where they're at. But it's not. Uh, you can look it up and see from Israel to the Jordan River, depending on where they're actually at in Israel. From what I found, the closest is 20 miles away and could be beyond that. In some cases, you need to take a bus there. It takes two hours to get there by bus. So you can imagine, he made this journey to Israel. Now he's told to go to the River Jordan and dip seven times in muddy waters that are a mile away, or miles away. Could be up to 50 miles away that he has to travel to. Well, he didn't get what he wanted was the pomp and circumstance and the parade, so he got absolutely beside himself angry. Look at verse 12 again. Here's his reasoning. His servants came near unto him. Uh, are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned into rage. That was his reasoning. And if you look this up more from a Jewish perspective, what he was saying was this. I have washed in the waters of Damascus. And the waters are much cleaner than the river Jordan. If I've got open wounds and sores and I'm a man with leprosy, and I didn't get healed up there in those waters. What makes you think I'm going to get healed over here in these waters? I might even get worse. I might get infections and so on and so forth. But this is what his mentality was. This is what he was thinking about. You see, what God tells us to do might be unreasonable. It might be something unthinkable. Yet, this is the nature of faith. Faith does not deal with the sense realm. Faith is moving out of the sense realm, allowing God to do what man cannot do. To do what we can't get done in the natural world. And so faith then moves God into a situation that is impossible to man, but possible with God. But we've got to cooperate with him. And so far, Naaman was not cooperating with him at all. And so he's angry, he turns, he walks away. But look at verse 13. Something to be said for this. His servants came near and spank unto him and said, My father. That's a very important expression. They were showing reverence and respect to him, which he didn't feel he was getting from the prophet and his servant. But once they softened the blow and they said, My father. If the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? So, if he would have said to do something more noble than wash in the river Jordan, would you not have done that? And he thought about that and said, well, yeah, I probably would have done something like that. But to do this... To travel all this way when I've got cleaner waters where I come from. To come down here to the River Jordan. It makes no sense to me. So he felt disrespected on every end. But now since his servants were humble enough to realize he was wrong. 
And basically they softened the blow by saying that, look, you're a great man of power, influence. We respect you. And we're just wanting you, you to get better. So why don't you cooperate with God and the prophet and just do what he said to do? You see, faith comes by hearing. Naaman heard something after his anger settled down that he didn't hear before. Why are you making such a big deal out of this, Naaman? This is a way that you can be whole once again. And so they were convincing. And he listened. All of a sudden, faith comes into his heart. And what does he do? He makes the journey. However long it was, I don't really know. Anywhere from 20 to 50 miles, maybe they were along the way talking as this all transpired. But he finally gets himself over to the River Jordan. And what does he do? He dips himself seven times. Look at verse 14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. Notice, according to the saying of the man of God. All the servants did was echo what the prophet said. And what happened when he cooperated with God and used faith that came by what he heard from the prophet, through the servant, and now through his servants, what does he do? He dipped seven times in the river Jordan. His flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Seven times is important because it represents the divine covenant that Israel had with God. You see, the cure depended upon the covenant that they had with God, and also seven is a signature of the works of God. So in other words, the fact that he dipped seven times is letting everyone know that this was a work of of Almighty God. God gave him the instructions. God told him what to do. It was up to him to accept the instructions or reject the instructions. And at the beginning, he rejected the instructions, and so he wasn't cooperating with God. As a result, of course, he was walking away from his healing. So, as we listen to this story and review this story and look at all the different things that we can really glean light from in this story, we come up with certain questions that I'd like to share with you. At least I had some of these questions in my mind. I want to share them with you to see what you think about them. Number one, did Naaman need healing? I would say yes is the answer to that. He's put up with leprosy for who knows how long of a period of time. Who knows what, how it was progressing? We don't know. But we know this, he had leprosy. We know that he needed healing. Question number two. Were there any natural or medical cures at that time for leprosy? And the answer to that is obvious. Absolutely not. There is no way in the natural realm that he could have been helped physically. There was no natural cure for, for this or medical. So who directed Naaman to a spiritual cure? Because there was no natural cure. There was no medical cure. Who's the one that directed Naaman to a spiritual cure? Well, his wife's maid did. Thank God for humble servants that know God. You see, Naaman was a man of importance. And he did a lot of noble things. And he was awarded for all the things that he did. But this little girl knew something about the living God. The creator of the universe. 
And she knew that there was a prophet in Israel that could help him recover from leprosy. How does faith come? By hearing. And the message got to him. And when that message got to him, obviously it prompted faith because he left to go see the man of God in Israel. And so thank God for people that will speak to us the word of God to help us look beyond where we're at and have a hope. Because you see, faith is something... It, faith is the, uh, believing in, first of all, hope. It's the substance of what you hope for. And there was no hope in his life before this. All of a sudden, there was resurrected a hope that he could possibly be a whole person once again. And where did it come from? This young maid. He had a hope. Faith is the substance of what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we don't see. And so he made his journey. The next question, number four. What was name given instructions as to how to receive healing? Was he instructed as to what to do to achieve and obtain his healing? Absolutely. We're told in the scripture, you need to go down to the river Jordan. You need to dip seven times in the river Jordan. And on the seventh time when you come up out of the water, your flesh will come to you as of a child. Only hard to imagine how that could take place. But yet he was instructed what to do. Now the next question, did Naaman initially do what was necessary to receive his healing? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he allowed his emotions to enter in. He was so angry. If you're God, then you should do it this way. If you're God, then you should do it my way. You should have listened to your prophet and did it exactly the way I wanted you to do it. But mm -mm. he was angry because it wasn't done the way he thought it should be done. It's easy for us to be the same way. It should be done the way I want it to be done. And if it, ha it wasn't done this way, then maybe it wasn't his will at all. That's our next question. Why was he so angry? Because he felt disrespected. He felt disrespected because it wasn't being done his way. It may have been the will of God, but it wasn't being done his way. So he now feels disrespected. He is angry. He's upset. And he doesn't know what to do until his servants come along. What changed his mind? Lowly servants that had a better perspective on what was going on. Understood a whole lot more about what he needed to do. But they allowed his anger to cool off. They allowed him to get to a place where he could be talked to again. And so they spoke to him in a kind way. Not putting him down. But basically, using wisdom to help him see something he wasn't seeing. And how did they say it? Oh, Master, Father was what they used. With deep respect and reverence. You're a man of valor. If he would have asked you to do something valiant, something great, something more noble, would you not have done it? Why is it so hard to do this? Of course, it spoke to his heart, spoke to his mind. He had a change of attitude. And now he felt respected. And now he felt he was a part of it. Question is this. Would Naaman have received healing if he didn't have a change of heart and didn't have a change of mind? And what's the answer? Absolutely not. He would not have received. He would have continued on his journey, walking away, from his healing, 
even though it was the will of God for him to be healed. It was God's will. The instructions were given to him. He knew exactly what to do, but he got in the way. Remember what James said? So if you're going to ask God for something, then you've got to ask in faith. Because if you waver, and if you doubt, you're not going to receive from God. And you could say it this way. If you dip, you're going to receive. If you don't, you're not going to receive. If you believe, you're going to receive. If you doubt, you're not going to receive. There's really not much difference here. So because we must become the better receivers of what God has given, and God doesn't have to improve on his giving skills, it's up to us to be like Naaman, who was instructed by his servants to have a change of heart and attitude and of mind and start believing what God said in his word and doing it God's way. And if we'll do it God's way, then praise God, we'll receive. Number 10, is it necessary to receive by faith what God has so freely given us in Christ? Absolutely. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. God gave us Jesus, and with him, we are told in Romans 8.32, he freely gives us all things. He's given us the kingdom and the keys to the kingdom. As a matter of fact, he's probably saying, what more can I give you? Look, I've given you the keys to open up the door to anything and everything heaven has to offer. It's given. It's yours. And you've got the keys. All you have to do is believe you receive it. Now, this is important. You're not believing you're receiving it for someone else unless it's a young child that can't believe for themselves. You're believing you're receiving it for yourself. You're receiving from God something that you need. If you need forgiveness, then ask God after you find the scriptures that promise you the answer. Believe that you receive forgiveness and stand against the doubt that comes against your mind when the devil says, you really think you're forgiven? You really think God forgave you? Yes, I do. I know he did because I've received it. So stand against those thoughts, meditate the word, and also continue to think, oh, thank God I've received my forgiveness. Thank God mercy is just flooding my soul. Thank God until you actually sense a release in your spirit. I know I have it. I'm going to thank God for it. Now you take that from that spiritual realm to the natural world, it's a little bit more difficult because you're dealing with things that are tangible. But remember this, faith believes beyond what the senses dictate. Faith sees the unseen and brings them into the realm of reality. Faith, believing is fact, what is not revealed to the senses. So I believe I receive something, if it's my healing, if it's my deliverance. And I know it's very difficult when it comes to having pain in our bodies, and we believe we receive healing in our bodies, but we feel that pain, and that pain has a voice, just like Naaman. I'm hurting here. Why hasn't it happened yet? Why hasn't it done the way I want it to be done? I want it to be done instantly. I want the pain to be gone and all that. But he says, believe you receive it first. And then you will have it. That's how faith works. So in the natural world, when it comes to healing and health, it's a difficult thing because we deal with physical things like pain that kind of act like the circumstances of Peter walking out on the water. They distract us from what the Word says. Then we don't want to think that we're lying because I say, I believe I receive my healing. You're not saying you're not sick. You're saying, I believe I receive my healing. And there's a tremendous difference between the two. 
So when it comes to receiving from God by faith, you are getting out of the boat, you are walking on the water, and beneath you is the Word of God, and you're acting upon what God spoke or what God said. You're doing exactly the way He said to do it. Let's run through it again. I need healing. That's what I decide I want from God. Number two, find scriptures that promise you the answer. Himself bore my sickness and carried my pains. With the stripes I'm healed. He heals all our diseases as well as forgive our sins. He'll restore health to you and heal you of every wound. His words are life to you and health to all of your flesh. And the list goes on and on. We find those scriptures. We put them together. And as a network of scripture we put together, we meditate upon them. We look at them and, and then we say, Now, Father, this is what your word says. So I'm asking you to heal my body, whatever it might be. I'm asking you in Jesus' name. I now have asked according to your will. I know you heard me. I know I have it. So I believe I have received. Oh, thank you, Father God. I believe I have received it. Stand against the doubt that says you didn't. Meditate those scriptures and get to a place of, I praise you for the healing. Even though you feel the pain, I praise you for the miracle. I praise you I'm delivered. I praise you I'm set free. And you see, you're acting in faith. You're walking in faith. You're not wavering. You're not doubting. Even though the winds and the waves are blowing and, and so on, you're out there on the water, but you're not even being phased by any of that. Your focus is honed in on what God said, and you're doing it. Go back to Naaman just for a moment. I believe this to be so important. God knew the pride he had in his life. God knew it had to be dealt with before he could really receive his healing. Which I believe is why he had to go all the way to the River Jordan and dip in muddy waters. Because you see, he was probably dressed in his army attire. With all the accolades he received worn on his chest. A man of valor. My goodness. Full of pride. To get there to the muddy waters of the River Jordan, you've got to start taking off those layers of pride. With every dip into the water... Coming up, a layer of pride. Another dip into the water and coming up, another layer of pride. So on and so forth until number seven. Finally, he dips the seventh time. And coming up, there's no more pride. There's no more self-exaltation. Complete surrender to the will of God and the way of God and the word of God. Now he comes up and all of a sudden, his flesh is clean. Isn't that something? See, God knows how to deal with us and help us overcome the obstacles that we need to deal with in order to be a better receiver of what God has provided for us. And along the way, when we keep on saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, those changes are taking place in us. Let me close this real quick by giving you this testimony. Maybe many of you watching by live streaming, you've never heard this. It's been a while since I've shared this. But when our son Andrew was born, and from the medical field, they told us that he couldn't live because he didn't have a left pulmonary artery. We follow this, but you know, you can't, in some situations, like an emergency situation, follow each one of these steps exactly. I said steps helps, however you want to look at it. I don't know why people get so upset about steps or whatever. They get hung up on formulas, but I'll tell you what, we, can, we need all the help that we can get, don't we? So there we were, imagine this, her just delivering, giving birth, traveling from Beaver to Pittsburgh, after giving birth a few hours later, not in a comfortable position, and we hear that he doesn't have a left pulmonary artery, he needs heart catheterization right now. He doesn't have a left pulmonary artery, he can't live, but we have to do this. 
When we heard that, thank God we knew the Word of God. Thank God we have an understanding of the will of God with regard to healing and health. And so my wife and I grabbed our hands together and said, Father, they say he doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. You said to ask, Mark eleven twenty four, whatever you desire when you pray, and believe you receive them, and you have them. We're asking you to give Andrew a left pulmonary artery. And Father, we believe you heard us. We receive it now by faith. And we thank you that he now has a left pulmonary artery. Did doubt come into our minds? Absolutely. But we just kept on praising God, the seventh help. Thank you, he has a left pulmonary artery. Thank you for his left pulmonary artery. This child is dying. This child is going in for a catheterization at 14 hours old. She just delivered and gave birth. I'm standing there with her. And we cried out to God in faith, asking for a left pulmonary artery, believing we receive it, with all the doubt coming against our minds. Look now, buddy, we've got you. This isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. He's going to die. And then what? We stood against it and just thanked the Father constantly. You've heard me say this. My wife composed the left pulmonary artery song. He didn't have a left pulmonary artery. While he was in there having a heart catheterization, the doctors came out after the catheterization and said, we've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is he's still alive. The bad news is he needs surgery now to put in a BT shunt. And he can't live very long. As a matter of fact, here's your options. We could let him die in your arms or we could take him into surgery and let him die there. How about that for doubt? How about that instilled into the parents' minds? That's how severe it was. And by the way, we lost him two times. Two times we had to revive him. He's not strong enough to make it through surgery. So let him die in your arms if you want. At least you can hold him for one last time. And we said, doctors, you do what you have to do. Take him in the surgery. You do your part and we believe that God will do his part. See, they didn't know we asked for a left pulmonary artery and they wouldn't even understand that. But we did. And guess what the next statement was? Oh, and by the way, that left pulmonary artery... We told you he didn't have one. From the catheterization, he has a thread. But don't get your hopes up. Exact words. That thread is so small, no blood can get in it. And that's it. It just can't happen. We said thank you. They took him into surgery. And there we were just praising God and thanking God. Fighting off fear, fighting off worry, fighting off doubt, anxiety, unbelief, and all the things that were being hurled against our minds and refusing to doubt. And we thanked Him. My wife made up this song. She sang it to Him. I, I'm not a singer, so I just kept on thank you, Father, for Andrew's left pulmonary, pulmonary artery. It is growing. It is opening. And it's whole. We did this for nine months. And he had another catheterization. And during that catheterization, this doctor came out into the waiting room and he came out almost dancing and was so excited and got a hold of us and said, I want you to know his left pulmonary artery is normal size. Andrew got a creative miracle. 
based on what you're hearing being taught this evening. Now, have we always been 100% proficient in this every time? I can't say we have. Not even suggesting that we have. We've all had our challenges along the way, but guess what? When you're backed up against a wall and you know your son's life is hanging in the balance, you focus. You focus. It's not magical. We focused on what was necessary to, do, to be done. We believe we receive and we thank you for it and that's our focus and we're not looking to the wind, the waves or the sea. We're not listening to the doubt and the unbelief no matter how professional they may be or intelligent. As far as we're concerned, he's got a left pulmonary artery because we ask the Father for it in Jesus' name and we believe we receive it. So thank you, Father. And so long story short, Andrew is now 19 years old, going to be 20 this June. They said he couldn't live past three months. All because of learning how to receive from God. It wasn't dipping in the water. And remember this. you got to do what he tells you to do. Not what he tells somebody else to do. If he told him to dip in the water seven times, fine. You can't say, I'm going to go dip in the Ohio River seven times. I'm going to get healed. you got to do what he tells you to do. Which is why this is all about having a relationship with God. Having intimacy with God and saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? What shall I do in my situation? I've got a general revelation of your will right here in the scriptures. I know you want me well, and I know you want me whole. I know that. And so now, is there anything specific that you want me to do? Anything more? If not, I'm going to do what I know to do. Decide what I want. Find scriptures that promise me the answer. Ask. Believe I receive. Stand against any form of doubt or unbelief. Meditate in those same verses and praise you for the answer. Constantly. I've received it and I thank you for it. And then watch it materialize. Praise God. Well, I pray that's blessed you and helped you in your faith to learn how to receive from God and experience a miracle. In closing, once again, we're living in a critical time in our nation. We know that. A lot of people are overwhelmed with fear and worry about what's going on in our government and all that. The Lord really want me to remind you of something. Jesus is Lord. God is still on the throne. The Holy Ghost is still hovering over anyone and everyone that's willing to invite him in. It's going to be well with our soul and with our family. Why? Because the greater one lives in us. So don't worry and don't fret. Let God be God. Let's join forces together and let's believe God for his hand to move upon this nation, upon our government. And let God just do what he wants to do. Amen.